head into the Ringerverse to stay up to date with all things superheroes and nerd culture entertainment. Hosted by a rotating lineup of superfans at the Ringer, including Mallory Rubin and Van Lathan, shows will provide instant reactions to blockbuster releases, insightful backstories on canon, and mind-bending theories, as well as fresh takes on the latest news and rumors. Check out the Ringerverse on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's The Mismatch, presented by FanDuel. The second half of the NBA season is here, and you can bet on the action with an assist from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page in the Pulse and bet live same-game parlays for every NBA game. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit theringer.com slash RG to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus in person select dates. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit theringer.com slash RG. Today's episode is brought to you by Prime Video. Uncontrollable frowning, an inability to smile, an expression like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app, one password. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Welcome to The Mismatch. I'm Chris Vernon. Joining me as he does every Tuesday from TheRinger.com is Kevin O'Connor, a.k.a. Kevin O'Bomber, Kevin O'Camera, Kevin O'Kindness, Kevin O'Concert, Kevin O'Candyland, Kevin O'Climber, Kevin O'Blazarian, Kevin oh. It's deadline week. Woo. Man, it is deadline week, and you had a column that we are going to go through a little bit later. Uh, just to start off, some things that happened last evening. Uh, we did have two... Big streaks end. The Hawks finally lost a game, and the Rockets finally won a game Go last night. Good for them. <laughs> it had been a lot longer for, for the them. Rockets than it had been the Hawks oh, yeah. on their winning streak. And the Hawks, what was it? It was a 20-plus lead that they had against the Clippers. That, uh, And I know that Hawks fans were not very happy with the officiating in this game. Uh, but nevertheless, they were up. You know, they're good enough to be up by 20 something against uh, the Clippers and then gave that lead away, but took their first loss in a long, long time since, you know, they made the coaching change uh, and they've been playing really well. And as we're going to get to a little bit later, might be it might be an extremely active team here later this week. Uh, I guess we'll see, but they've certainly improved their place within the Eastern Conference a great, great deal over the last uh, two weeks, despite taking a loss last night and those Clippers, you know, showing some fight. They've had some games yep. this season where they lacked that character, that, that toughness mm-hmm. that you like to see to battle back. A lot of the times the Clippers have folded 
Yep. But the team last night that came back, it, it looked dramatically different. And I thought, you know, we saw why they got Luke Kennard with the secondary playmaking that he brought to the floor with, you know, the ability. I, I know there was one play, I believe he got the ball off the catch from Kawhi Leonard. Defense was scrambled. He attacked off the dribble, kicked it out for three to Morris. It's little plays like that with his ability to create shots for you that make a big difference. And then you add a guy like Terrence Mann who's had some really good moments all season long for the Clippers. He did it on both ends of the floor last night, and there were a couple of possessions I liked. They used him as a screener for Kawhi, and on the short roll, he was able to pick apart the defense, getting to the basket. The Clippers, on paper, they still are a championship contender, Chris. It's just refining the mix that they have here, which is why you're hearing, hearing the Clippers in trade conversations for George Hill, for Ricky Rubio, or, you know, they're not going to in all likelihood get Kyle Lowry, but it's why they have interest in these guards, somebody who can stabilize their offense. And this team just needs that help. The mix is there. They just got to tweak some things. And we saw what they can do and what they're capable of last night with the way those other guys played. Yeah, I was thinking about that Lowry thing when you had mentioned it, because I was here when Jerry West, the one that drafted Kyle Lowry out of Villanova, loved him, loved him. And now it would be it would be crazy if, you know, he has had a prominent voice within that organization for some time. The other thing that ran through my mind, and, and you're talking about showing some heart last night and the Clippers have been better recently, you do wonder if there is a sense. You've got to imagine within that locker room, they've probably looked around and thought, you know, we can win the title this year. Now you can say they thought that no matter what, right? But when you're looking in the same arena and AD's down and who knows, and LeBron's down and who knows, right? And you're and you're the Clippers, you're sitting there, you're certainly thinking it's more it, you always thought, I think, if you're them, that's who we're gonna have to get past if we want to try to win a title this year. And it might be a little bit heartening to look across and think, you know, like we may have a better chance than we even thought. Even, even in those moments of doubt where we look around and think, eh, we're still not good enough. Um, you know, look, all bets are off the table. I think, I think a, lot of, a lot of teams have been injected with hope um, because of the misfortunes of the Lakers, who I have felt are the by far prohibitive favor to win this thing. Um, and I think most people will still pick them as long as they get healthy by the playoffs. But it's it's a question now that it wasn't prior to. And now, you know, with the Lakers, you're hearing, you know, Brian Windhorst reported last night that they're having trade conversations involving Contavious Caldwell-Pope. Um, that they are one of the favorites for Andre Drummond, which, you know, has been reported before, but it seems like the Lakers have some confidence, which I've heard as well, that Drummond could be going there. I've also heard that even Montrez Harrell has been involved in some trade discussions as well. So clearly the Lakers are looking at their roster and they are not complacent. They're looking at their team and thinking, we need to get better. We need to find ways to shake this up, add some three-point shooting and some wing defense. You know, And if you are going to get Drummond, maybe reshuffling the deck there. So for the Lakers, they aren't sitting down you know, on their hands and not making any moves. They're just not waiting for LeBron and AD to get back. They're trying to make moves, too, just as all these other contenders in both the East and West are, because everybody 
sees that the title window is open right now, Chris. It is. Yep. It, the, the Lakers aren't just a clear juggernaut anymore like people thought. It's open, wide open. And I, w- and I wouldn't be surprised on, on, the, on the Harold front. I mean, he's been a disappointment, Kev. I mean, he was. He has. This is, this, is, this is six man of the year. That Clippers team was bringing him and Lou Will off the bench and just bombing people out. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like these two and now, guys. And now one of the reasons why the Clippers excelled last night was because they had Lou Will play only nine minutes and they right. fed those minutes to Terrence Mann and Luke Kennard. And Harrell is now a guy where it's like, oh, not such a big free agent signing for the Lakers. It's crazy. Well, what's he what, like that? It's not. We're a year removed from him being absolutely awesome. He won that award and deserved that award. And then Schroeder should have won it, but that's a different conversation for a different day. Bubble, <laughs> bad deal in the bubble. And then you fast forward beyond the bad deal in, you know, with him playing in the bubble um, and struggling through that. Now you think, okay, that was just, that was just the bubble. He'll be back to being that guy. Cause I mean, he was, he was, uh, you know, uh, atrocious for them when they, you know, when they're blowing that three, one lead, the six man of the year was, it was nowhere to be found. And I know he had a very, very troubling bubble with the, you know, uh, uh, you know, it, the guy had to leave and go to funeral and it was just yeah, it was it tough, was hard on him and everything else. But I mean, he was not near the player that he was before the season but got it, stopped. It, it's, it's not like he's posting horrible numbers. It, no. It's just in certain matchups against playoff caliber teams, you can see the issues with him defensively where while he's going to go from a guy averaging 25 minutes per game to a guy that might be deserving of some DNP CDs, did not play coaches decisions. And that that's what could happen for him in the postseason, which is why you're seeing the Lakers evaluating their roster and not being complacent, which by the way, is a smart thing to do. They should, you should never become complacent. Even if you just won a championship, even if you are the favorite, there's always ways to get better. Yeah. And I, I look, despite the numbers, all I'll say is he won the Clippers games. He, he, a With lot. his energy. Yeah, he was yes, an energizer. he won them yep. games. He came off the bench. He flipped games. He was the guy them. when the Clippers were going into those spurts where their offense was sputtering. Right. He would inject that energy. And that yep. was critical for them over the course of the regular season. Critical. And that's just, that's just not Yeah, I mean, the, the Lakers, right? the Lakers don't need that quite as much. Their defense remains right. dominant, even without AD out there, which is pretty wild. Yep. You know, and that's a lot to do with everybody on that team. LeBron included, he's had a sensational defensive season. Um, I mean, just think about a couple of years ago, Chris, remember when people talked about LeBron and like saying he's a bad defender? Yeah. Well, just Le- no, LeBron, it wasn't, LeBron has shown he can still defend at no, a high level. When look, he wants to. No one has ever said LeBron is a bad defender. People said what he people wasn't said, trying and, and lazy, which and was all that. true, which, which you was. can <laughs> to an I extent, mean, was, but now he's turned it on completely. And is well, he always mean, turns it on in the playoffs, but now he's, he's there, on swarming, the he's yeah. there swarming you when it comes to the playoffs. I understand, uh, the way it works. Um, a couple other things from last night the Bucks are back to being the Bucks, and I've had some Bucks fans that have sent me messages over the course of the past couple of weeks saying, you know how you talked about how they needed a you thought they needed a better player than Middleton alongside Giannis. And at least in some quarters of Bucks fandom, they feel like Pat Connaughton is stepping up. No, that holidays, <laughs> that holidays. That holidays that guy. Holiday is winning them games yeah, down the Drew, stretch of Drew games. And so good, yeah. Last night, monster game again. And it like they've really gotten their sea legs. You know, like he 
that it started off, uh, you know, we're trying to feel if, if feel it out, and then he misses some time there. But now, since he's been back, and they kind of eased him back into the rotation, you could see they've really got something going, and he's been awesome, awesome. I mean, you know, you you and me have touched on the Bucks in recent weeks, did the Middleton video for the Void and all that. Um, what we saw in that game against Indiana with Drew Holiday having 28 points, 14 assists, Chris Middleton having 25 points, six assists. You know, Giannis wasn't playing, mm-hmm. but I do wonder if maybe some of the elements from last night's game with those guys getting fed the ball, if that could translate more in the postseason when you're going to see Giannis playing the five more often with Tucker at the four and Middleton and Holiday out there with a fifth player like DiVincenzo or Coving- or Connaughton, whoever it might be. If you're going to see a lot of pick and roll with those guys, you saw what they could do against Indiana. And that's what could elevate them up a higher level from what we've seen compared to past postseasons. And Drew Holiday has been great for them this season. He was a borderline all-star, one of the many players who was, was deserved to be in that conversation. He can give even more with higher volume. And I wonder if we're going to see that in the postseason like we did last night in that win against the Pacers, who, by the way, Things don't seem good there right now. Uh, I've heard no. from a, quite a lot of people the last couple of days that players aren't super into Nate Bjorkren, mm. their new head coach, that there's some issues with the way the style is there. So Indiana, after nice start, after Sabonis you know, coming out, they seem to be collapsing a little bit midseason with their first year head coach, and they get it, they get to steer that ship and get it right quickly. Well, it's certainly not helpful that the guy that they fired was 9-0. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. you're looking at the standings every day. Like, why are the Hawks the four seed? Oh, our coach took them over. Well, like, I mean, <laughs> one of the reasons why Indiana made a change was like any right. t- any time where the coaching coaches get changed, the players oftentimes have some type of input, right? And the best players, especially. So, with that decision, the replacement has not. You know, the grass isn't always greener, I guess. Right. Be careful what yeah. you wish for, right? Yeah. 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 And with, with Bjorkman, I mean, we'll see how that plays out. Only in his first year, young yeah. head coaches take a lot of time to figure things out. And he's a guy that comes with a lot of great experience. Yeah. Uh, he was under Nick Nurse and is coached everywhere around the world. So we'll see how he develops as a coach. But right now, it seems like things aren't great in Indiana as they're losing a lot of games. Last thing on the Bucks, uh, I saw Zach Cram from the Riggers stat this morning, which made me uh, laugh, which was PJ Tucker has played 25 minutes. He has taken one shot. He has a usage rate of 1.7. And he said, I want to see how low this can go. <laughs> It'd be amazing if PJ Tucker had le- if you could somehow get to less than 1% usage. <laughs> yeah, he's taken one shot since he's been there. Now, obviously they didn't get him for his scoring. Um, yeah. But fascinating to see. Usually guys come out, especially in a new uniform, they're trying to get some buckets, right? Make the home fans you know, be happy that defense. they acquired you. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't care. Yeah, he may that's, never that's take a shot him. for him. And by the way, yeah. PJ Tucker won an acquisition. Oh yeah, won an acquisition Great. for the reason we you know passed on earlier. Like yep. Giannis at the five, Tucker at the mm-hmm. four, with Middleton and Holiday in a fifth. That is a crazy good closing five for you. And you can play big if you want to. At Brook Lopez out there, you can play so many different styles, adaptability, versatility, variety with what you can do in the floor. That's the secret to success in the NBA. And the Bucks and the Bucks got it. If you're putting modern day Bill Russell, Brook Lopez on the bench, then you know it's <laughs> devastating. <laughs>
Today's episode is brought to you by Prime Video. Uncontrollable frowning, an inability to smile, an expression like you just smelled something rotten. These are all signs of resting binge face caused by too many streaming services. But Prime Video ends resting binge face so you can smile again. Easily find your favorite shows like Reacher Season 2. Rent or buy new release movies like Hunger Games, The Ballad of Songbirds, and Snakes. Get everything included on Prime. And add hundreds of streamers like Max for True Detective Night Country. One app, one password. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership not required to rent or buy. Prime membership requires for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. Speaking, you know, you were talking about the Pacers and about how, you know, you've talked to people around the league and that's just not right. And clearly, look, when somebody was a high seed and won a bunch of games, and then the next year they're not winning a bunch of games, it's always going to lead to disappointment and nobody's going to be talking positively within those quarters. Likewise, I was at a game last night where I watched uh, the Celtics came to Memphis. And I'm going to tell you something, Kev. Like, uh, so the Celtics, had, they had Jeff T go for 26 points. They shot like 50% from three. And they still lost the game because they gave up 132 points in the game. Obviously, the Morant highlight went around everywhere. But watching that game and then talking to people, it's off there in a way that I needed to be in the arena and kind of see it for myself to, to, to properly understand. Like I see, obviously I see all of these teams come through. I just got done watching the Warriors over the weekend and the level of camaraderie and the way they jump and root each other on and whatever, it was, it was something that stood out. And I see that with a lot of teams like the Celtics. It's just not like they don't have that. It doesn't fit all together. And then I gathered um, about like kind of what's going on there. Uh, some stuff last night. What did you um, hear, Chris? That, I mean, there's a couple of things. I'm First, curious. I, I have something I've heard too. So I'm curious okay. if, if what you got connects with mine. Okay. Well, there, uh, here, here's two important ones. One is one person opined to me that the smart thing is a problem that he knows. And when you've got a guy that has been that important to the organization, and when you've got a guy that matters so much to the team morale. And by smart thing, you mean the trade rumors that yes, are happening around and the league right he, now. Yeah, okay. It's every day. And he knows yep. he's being traded, or he thinks yeah. he's being traded. And him, you know, that's tough. You know what I mean? Like now all of a sudden you're walking around. It's every, you know, you feel weird all the time. And like, it's just, you just can't be mm-hmm. totally engaged all the time when you're sitting there checking your phone, wondering if your agent's telling you where you're going next. Like that is not, it's not some kind of big secret. Everybody's been talking about it. It's out there. I'm sure he spends his days worrying about it. And so when you've got a guy that's been that important, you know, within that, uh, w- w- within that organization. And w- whether you like him as a player or not, you-, you know he's been a heart and soul type player and he is a leader a- amongst those guys on that team. And he's also, he might be, he's probably the elder statesman, right? Like he's been probably been there longer. Longest tenured than, player on the team. Yeah, than anybody on the team. That's tough. And so there was one, one, 
one piece was that that is affecting things. Yeah. There's no way around it. The other was the the level of, uh, and I'm going to make up a word, outness on Tristan Thompson is unbelievable. Mm. Uh, like they got to get rid. They've got to get rid of him. What do you mean by that? Like what, they, what what made you feel that? I feel like that has been a disaster. He is resented. Is it something you heard? He's and, resented. Yeah. Well, look. Okay. You you know he's in the safety protocols again. Yeah. Yeah, well, like nothing gets reported on this. From what I was told, he won't stop going out. I see. So he just goes out, and then they, you know, of course he's breaking the protocols. And so, like, because he's not like testing positive for this stuff, right? You're not getting the contact tracing and and all the stuff that goes along with this. But you know, he wasn't playing last night. He hadn't played like the last four games or whatever, right? And so, I mean, like, and and, and that has not like he doesn't want to play, and so. Obviously, when you've got that as another veteran that you've brought in to like, you know, help Robert Williams and help these guys and help this. I mean, it's just not like that's that's a word on the street regarding because is that the smart thing is problematic and that the Tristan Thompson thing has just been like wits and stuff like right. come on bro like you're supposed to be a yeah. veteran on this team so here's what i've heard and it definitely aligns with what you're, you're saying here that the with the covid protocols some nba locker rooms are big enough to accommodate an entire team by meeting the requirements of keeping players six players apart before games some locker rooms are small where you know some players have to be in the main locker room others have to be in a makeshift one to in order to keep players separated and the Celtics locker room at home is split into two. You have so the veteran players in the main locker room, a lot of the younger players in this, in the makeshift locker room to meet the COVID protocols. Mm. And there's like a literal divide, wow. in the room, like a literal distance divide. Yeah. But also like that has kind of created a lack of chemistry yep. and that there's sort of like the two sides of the Celtics team with there's not a lot of camaraderie that you're talking about. There's not a lot of that togetherness that you love to have for a team. So just as a natural result of the COVID protocols, the Celtics locker room has sort of been split. And yes, I have also heard that Thompson is not loved in that locker room for numerous different reasons that you know, like any other situation that trade, you know, discussions and all that can can hamper team chemistry and make guys on edge and all that, especially when they're losing games, especially when they're losing games after having high expectations after going to three out of the last four recent conference finals. Right. So like that makes it even worse. So that's what I've heard. It aligns with what you've heard that there's some serious chemistry issues there, which is why I think we're seeing. And a lot of stuff go, goes into week. that. It's just not the right mix. I exactly. mean, different teams yeah. have different years, and they've it, still it got make out. anybody. It doesn't make no. anybody a bad guy or anything like that. It's just no. the mix just doesn't work. There's just something that needs to change for this team to click in a way that it has in the past that it isn't right now. Yes, and so now, and and, and now you have a situation where I think you get if you're Danny Ainge. You go. You might as well just be extremely active at the trade deadline. And he what, is. Is it, what does it matter? And he is. And he you is. know what I'm saying? You're not messing anything up. You're getting. I mean, you're a 500 team, and you got two all stars. So <laughs> you're not messing anything up by you know shaking the boat. And I, you know, there's been the breach of trust that goes on, and I you know it's a business. Everybody always says it's a business, um, but you know the smart thing is you know you gotta you know. These guys know 
And it's been out there for a long time now. And every time people talk about a deal, they talk about Marcus Smart moving. And so it's going to go one way or the other. Either they're going to find a deal and they're going to put him in it and the Marcus Smart era will be over there or you're going to have to do a lot of repairing sure. if, you're, if yeah. you're Danny Ainge, you know, with, with Marcus because there's there's that breach of trust that goes on, right? Like everybody Especially always... Dan, Danny Ainge and Marcus Smart have a great relationship too, Chris. Right. Really close. Yes. And yeah. so that's tough, right? And I understand if he's not, you know, it's hard to be all in, you know, after this week, things change for everybody, right? Yeah. Now you've got some peace of mind, but he's probably, he's probably thinking about it every waking moment about, you know, where he's going to be playing am basketball. Am I going to get sent to Orlando? Like, right. like, you're thinking about that. It's only natural. What am I going to do? You know, am I going to have to move all my stuff? Like it's, it's, right. it's, it causes Stressful. anxiety. It's only, it's only natural. You're, you're, they're all, yes. you know, players are humans too, just like us. It's no different than changing jobs, but, but well, and he's a said, very emotional guy too. Yeah, that too. But, but with that said for the Celtics, you know, when I reported on Sunday that Boston had had interest in conversations with Orlando, um, there were rumblings at the time, which have since come, since come to light, that they were also in on Evan Fournier from Orlando, not just Aaron Gordon. And that I, I texted with a handful of executives last night, like, who would you bet on getting Aaron Gordon? Because there's all these trade reports this week about Orlando talking with Portland, with Boston, and with Denver with those three teams being the most likely destinations for Aaron Gordon, who, according to Jared Weiss from The Athletic and Sam Amick from The Athletic, actually formally demanded a trade out of Orlando. And the executive said to me, they would bet on Boston getting Aaron Gordon. And it seems like maybe a smart two first-round draft picks, some other type of mix would, would be... The deal, and that was reported, I believe, last night by Matt Moore from the Action Network, and I think somebody from the Athletic. There's a lot of oh, stuff flowing out there. Sorry if I, I mixed up not. who reported it first. I, but <laughs> I would not. I would not. You would get not smart, do that. Smart and two firsts? <laughs> Absolutely not. F- well, what no. about you getting Fournier too? I know Fournier is not oh. like a star player, but he's averaging 19 points. He's a good shooter. He's a solid decision maker. Well, at that point, it's I'm not th- just I'm throwing Thompson in the deal. I mean, he could be going. And well, I mean, I got a match. That's too much money. Well, no, I mean, the, the, the deal. I know they can the, trade into it, but the deal is more complicated than yeah. I think is is appropriate for a podcast discussion. It, it gets way too confusing with the numbers. Understood. There's a lot of different ways the deal could work out, even for the Celtics to keep their traded player exception into the offseason. Like, we'll see if things actually work out and then break down the position the Celtics are in. But uh, personally, Chris, I, I've said this many, many years now. Aaron Gordon in Orlando has been underutilized for years. He just hasn't been in a situation that can make him the player that he can be. Like I think about Aaron Gordon in Portland. <laughs> I, I get I get so excited, Chris. Let me tell you something. Aaron yeah. Gordon in Portland, I get excited. I, I appreciate this a great deal. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bust you up for it, right? Because as I have written and I've talked about many times, I feel the same way towards my guys. You are a loyal guy, Kevin. I am, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm, and if they maybe, don't, I guess. I don't know. No, but I'm <laughs> saying if they don't achieve what they should achieve, but then you no, there's two right. We blame organization and we blame coach. I'm with you. That's it's not his fault. It's that's what I, I mean, do with I, I'm loyal to Aaron Gordon because I, because he's been in situations without like a downhill point oh, guard. Because he's been All in right, situations he's playing say. next to bigs. I want to see Aaron I, I Gordon as a screener. Same. 
I don't have the same love, affection, and hopes for Aaron Gordon that you do. And I realize there are a lot of people that are very high on Aaron Gordon, yes. right? I'm just not Including as high. Boston, Portland, and maybe yeah. Denver. Yeah, which are smart teams. So yeah. it should tell you something, right? It's not a bunch of dummies that won yeah. Aaron Gordon. And, and by the way, um, Brooklyn, Brooklyn would have wanted them too had they had the draft capital to get him. Yeah. There's a lot of I mean, smart teams that wanted Aaron Gordon. Yeah, I mean, and he look, he's a mega athletic guy. He's probably better than what he has showed. Obviously, last year was a crap year for him. Um, I didn't love going on national TV hired and shit, but, you know, I guess I can overlook it. I mean, I just, I mean, that was like, what, last year? I mean, guy, I've never seen anybody more high on TV in my life. Shaq was making fun of him the entire time. He didn't even realize Wait, what, what was going on. I, I don't remember. I just don't even go know what you're talking it up. about. Yeah, anybody can type it in on YouTube. He went on TNT. Shaq made weed jokes the entire interview. The entire interview. He made jokes about it. And he didn't even know what was going on. And uh, 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 Dwayne Wade or Barkley, one, was there just laughing hysterically the whole time. I mean, he was straight roasted. It was unbelievable. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Shaq saying you're, you're higher, Cloud9, and all that, because Aaron Gordon was little, feeling a little good in the TNT interview, yeah, I suppose. Was, I, I, I didn't see it, Chris. I don't remember like him looking super stoned or anything like that. But if he was, he was. Whatever. Let him do his thing, man. No, I mean, look, he's playing Enjoy for yourself. Orlando. They, they were playing for Orlando. They weren't winning a lot of games. I yeah, it's not against the rules anymore. You know, no big deal. Right? Give me some more chill people in the world. <laughs> and maybe Aaron Gordon. Look, he'll he'll get to go to a different situation, and we'll see what he can bring to the table. Um, he can bring a lot, Chris. He he. Two years ago, when Orlando made a little bit of a first round playoff run, Aaron Gordon. This is the year Toronto won the finals. Aaron Gordon has some amazing defensive possessions that season against James Harden against Kawhi Leonard in the first round. Gordon, when he's locked in, is a versatile, switchable defender who can lock down multiple positions. He, on offense, right now he's shooting above 40%. I don't know if he'll sustain that, but he's a good enough shooter with all the other skills he has. He can play make for you a little bit. He can screen for you. He can play in the short role. He can go all over the court. He's a Swiss Army knife on both ends. Put him on a contending team with a point guard that can run some pick and roll for you. You're going to see a higher level of Aaron Gordon. Like I would go as far to say this, Chris, I don't know if Portland's going to get him. Most execs I talk to think it'll be Boston or maybe Denver, but I've also heard Portland and Damian Lillard, especially want Aaron Gordon on the Blazers. Mm. So okay. if, if Portland were to get Aaron Gordon, I would raise their level and their championship hopes. A couple ticks up because I think he gives them exactly what the Blazers need. Dame is going to get trapped and blitzed on pick and rolls. He's going to need a guy to outlet the ball to. CJ is going to get that defensive pressure too in the postseason. Aaron Gordon can be that, that safety valve for them who can make plays and make defenses pay for pressuring their star guards. So if Port, if Portland has an opportunity to top an offer that Boston can make, I would argue that they should do it, even if that means giving up multiple first-round picks with Gary Trent, with Salary Filler in the deal, like a Rodney Hood in there. Right. They should go all in and get Aaron Gordon because he can elevate everything they do on both ends of the court. Gordon and Covington at the wing position, defending a Kawhi Leonard against the Clippers in a series against LeBron James, needing to switch on to Anthony Davis. You have Gordon and Covington to do that. 
It, it would really raise like their it. ceiling. I would love it. If Portland can get Aaron Gordon, that would be the win of the deadline. And you think better fit there than it is Boston anyway? Better fit, yes. Um, but I do like the fit in Boston for See, I, you know, a couple and, different and, and, reasons. And part, and part of this, I know reasons. you're mega high on, on, on Gordon. I love Smart. I, I love Marcus I lo- Smart too, I love man. Marcus Smart, and I think he, I think he, wi- I think he helps you win basketball games. You know, me too, me and, too, Chris. And I, 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 w- I would always be careful about trading him, and th- that's why I say, like, come on, man. If I'm giving him up, I'm not trying to give away a bunch of first round picks too. Like, I, I'm not, I'm not trading you for know, a star here. It, it's you know, it's complicated because, like I said, Danny Ainge and Marcus Smart are tight. Those guys are tight. And if Danny Ainge is willing to trade Marcus Smart, that says something to me about the mix in that locker room where, you know, as much as you love Marcus and as much as he brings that energy and that enthusiasm, that spirit, maybe there's something going on in the locker room where you just need to shake up the mix. You can have players have winning mentality, but they don't help you winning games. Sometimes it's about the personnel in the locker room more than anything else where that yeah, mix but becomes I don't, necessary. I don't think he's the problem. I mean, look, this is the, Marcus Smart is having to fall on the sword for a, a, a bad Kemba Walker deal. That has not turned out. It just hasn't. You know what I mean? They had a crack at getting the third guy next to Tatum and Brown, and Kemba ain't that guy. End of story. He has not been. So, and he's not going to be. And so, you know, I, I, and you can't get anything for him. You know what I mean? Like you can't, you can't run around and chop Kemba to somebody else. I mean, you could try. So that, huh? <laughs> does, does, you you can, I but mean, does, doesn't mean you'll get any bites. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Like, why is he not the one in the in the well, trade conversation? For exactly the reasons we're talking about. Who wants right. him? Right. That's why. Um, yeah, yeah. So let's I mean, talk. It's, let's it's talk about these others. Couple other Easter teams. You started off your column talking about Miami and about uh, Kyle Lowry. Now, I am of the opinion that. Uh, okay, so you chronicle like kind of Miami and that they're the most serious about it and that obviously they'd have to give up some real stuff in order to attain him. I would try, if I'm them, there's no way I'm giving up Tyler Hero. No, I'm just not, not doing no, that. Nope, I, it, like nope, that nope. can't, that's a, that's a non-starter for me. He was 19 last year playing in the finals, right? Like I'm not. They 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 like, are they are not, not going to get up Tyler. I, so okay. just to give some context, I reported that Miami is going hard after Kyle Lowry. That yeah. Jimmy Butler is one of the reasons why you know that they have that connection. Butler and Lowry have been friends for many many years, and that Toronto would want Duncan Robinson or Tyler Hero in a deal. Miami's not giving up Tyler Hero. They might give up Duncan Robinson. I've also been told that right now Miami has not yet offered Duncan Robinson. That they are offering Precious Achua. Kelly Olenek and Kendrick Nunn in some type of mix to meet the salary requirements to get Kyle Lowry and Miami is trying to get Oklahoma city to change protections on the 2023 first round pick owed to them so they can trade it for Lowry to free up more picks. So they're trying to do a couple of different things here and the Sixers aren't out on Lowry either. The Sixers are not out on Lowry. They are trying to figure out deals, including three-way deals to get something to work out in order to bring Kyle Lowry to Philly, maybe with a young player like a Matisse Thibel with a first-round draft pick in there. And this he doesn't want to give up Maxi though. It doesn't seem like Maxi's in that as of now. But Philly and Miami are both trying to get creative to get Kyle Lowry to bolster their championship hopes. That's happening right now. 
And we'll see what happens. A lot of this is going to come down to Kyle Lowry himself. Whether he, I mean, he doesn't have a no trade clause, but he might as well. From what I understand is that Masai Ujiri is not going to trade him unless he wants to get traded, unless he is open to being traded to Miami or Philly, which I think he would be to yeah. go win a championship. And, uh, it's funny. Uh, well, that would be Olenek going back home, by the way. Canadian guy. Yeah. So yeah. he'd be getting to go to play for his uh, well, play Tampa, in the motherland. To Tampa for now. Though. Well, yeah, I guess yeah. he's not getting to go to the motherland. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we, but I will say, uh, if I'm Masai, I get Robinson. You know what I mean? I get Robinson in the deal. I get mm. none in Robinson and Olenek. Well, or, you know what I'm I, saying? I, like, I, think, I think it would end up being Precious Achua and Duncan Robinson. That They will have enough leverage to ask yeah. for that much. Toronto is in a position right now. They aren't even sure they want to trade Lowry. Toronto is split in their front office whether to deal him or not, which is why it's a thing that comes down to Lowry and Masai Ujiri more than anybody else. Like there's others on the front office where they have, you know, thoughts and opinions on what mm-hmm. should be done, but this is about Masai and Kyle Lowry. So we'll see what level those offers reach from Miami and Philadelphia. I, I, I would expect them to go up more though. You mentioned this in your column and this is a big factor in this. Yeah, it, it honestly depends on what, how you think he fits. Uh, and I'm talking about Duncan Robinson, how you think he fits and are you going to be the one that pays him? In the offseason, right? Because if you're acquiring that, you're acquiring that thinking I'm acquiring a guy that now I'm going to be able to have for four or five years going forward, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, Because you just saw Joe Harris. Joe Harris got 72 million four years. Duncan Robinson gets what? 70% of that? 75% of that? 50 Uh, plus million possibly. I know. It's very possible Duncan Robinson gets 50 plus million or 60 plus million. Not out of the question. And Miami, I don't think would want to pay that. Toronto, you need to decide if that's what you're willing to pay. Mm-hmm. And I actually do think that Miami, look, we know that Riley is a go-for-it guy anyway. Yeah. I look at it and say this. How many more years do I have of Butler being that dude? Mm. The guy that can be the guy that, like, it, that's my go-to guy. That's my guy that's getting it done when it comes playoff time, when it comes NBA Finals time. We just saw him on that stage last year. Um, it's a few, right? It's a few. So yeah. that's when that's my best players, I can worry about the next iteration of the Heat, but when I've got Jimmy and I've got Goran Dragic, as two of my main pieces on this team, then I do absolutely go acquire Lowry and take a run at a title right now. And then as time goes on, I build with Hero and Bam. And I build around that sure. in some form. That'll be the next iteration. Yes. But for these I next, agree. this next two to three year window. She's just hire you, this general manager. You get the whole vision. It's just, well, look, <laughs> it, it depends on how good and how much time it, it'd be foolishness for the Lakers to look towards the future when you've got Le- yeah. right LeBron right now at this moment, you know, when you've got a guy that's ready to be the man on the highest level and like uh, you've, you've got a, it's a blessing to be able to have that kind of a guy. Uh, but that's not, it's, that's not happening in four years from now. Jimmy Butler's not going to be the best player on a title team 
in four years. He's not going to be in three years. But for this year, well, next maybe, year. Three years. I mean, can't maybe, rule that out. Maybe. The way guys age, you can't rule that out, Chris. It, maybe. Um, but but, you could, but say, to point to your point, yeah. you, ha- you have to maximize the opportunity that's here now. We just talked mm-hmm. earlier about how the title window was open. Yep. Miami was just in the finals. They just went to a game six with Bam missing games, with Drogic not being the same. Like They had guys out, and they went to a game six against the Lakers. This yep. team is close. And yep. the way they're performing right now, their defense is elite. Their offense is not elite. And Kyle Lowry would inject the pick and roll playmaking presence that they need in the perimeter. And if you were to give up Duncan Robinson, Lowry's also a knockdown shooter off the catch, off of handoffs, off of screens. He can be utilized in that role to at least help alleviate what you lose in that Bam Robinson handoff game. You, you know, like they do that around the mm-hmm. elbow. Duncan Robinson comes off and drains some threes. Lowry can do that too. So they could replace that and have a, a higher level player. And he's been playing in Florida, and he's big buddies with Jimmy Butler, so we know that one. On the other side, I do wonder if, especially after the Harden thing played out the way it did, if Daryl in Philly says, no, we already had that one go against us. We're not missing Larry. I'm trumping trumping deals. And uh, end of story. So call me first, Masai. Because I'll, I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you the best deal on this. I'm not letting uh, Brooklyn get Harden and then Miami, and Miami get, get Lowry, Lowry yeah. and mm-hmm. I'm sitting here twiddling my thumbs like that. Th- this can't be. And so I do think that there's a real chance that I think Philly would be even more enthused to go for this, even if it means giving up some stuff they didn't want to, because. You probably, I would imagine, wake up every day going, we should have just freaking done the Harden thing. You know, I mean, there's at least part of you that's got to think that. And interestingly enough, once upon a time, I interviewed Daryl and his favorite trade he ever made was for Kyle Lowry (laughs) in Houston. It was. It was his favorite deal he ever made. That's the one Mm. he's like. He he told me that was his favorite deal wow. he ever made. The most oh, proud okay. he was. So he was could acquiring go back and get him now. Yeah, mm. was getting Kyle Lowry, and this yep. could be his second favorite trade or his new favorite trade, right? Right. I guess, I guess Harden might be his favorite trade now. Uh, yep. When he traded him, was this interview before he got Harden in Houston or after he got Harden in Houston? Because uh, like, Harden get, was no Harden was there. Oh, we were just talking so, about so, throughout okay. the time. Okay. Because you know, right. look, he had an owner, uh, you know. Again, the owner now is a buffoon, but the guy before, uh, Les Alexander, they they they, they were never going to tank. <laughs> you never read uh, for Ted is shut up yeah, and listen? Yeah, shut up, know, uh, shut not, the hell not, up or whatever. Yeah, shut up and listen, it's called. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the, 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 former, the former owner, like Daryl had to keep on, like he, he kept on rebuilding on the fly, right? Without getting terrible. That wasn't an option. He didn't have the option of his buddy Sam Hinkie to just say, all right, we're going to go to hell and and be terrible. So he had those iterations where it was like Lowry, Battier, Ron Artest, like Chuck Hayes, like that whole crew. And so building that and still being pretty good and consistently making the playoffs and then building on the fly, like that was... Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's surprising that it's yeah. it's those kind, you know, and Lowry turning into what he turned into, you know, because that's a that's a big home run. 
Now, obviously, he they ended up moving him, but yeah. <laughs> nevertheless. But, you know, anyway, like, but with Philly, Lowry, everything we just talked about with Miami, the pick and roll playmaking and all that, that's exactly what the Sixers need. Oh, they yeah. need that perimeter shot creator who can get a bucket for you at the end of the clock for himself or for others. He's a great and, fit with either. Know. A perfect. Well, fit the other either. thing is that, that, like the Philly thing. He's a Philly kid. For, went to Villanova. Mm-hmm. So, yep. mean, so it's about you, like, you, you get to you get to go home, homecoming. or you get to go play with one of your best friends in the league, Jimmy Butler in Miami. Yes. You know, and try to win there. And it could, by the way, with Kyle Lowry, he's still so good, still an All Star caliber player that even as he turns thirty five years old on deadline day. He can get worse and still be good. He still has more years left to give to the NBA playing at a really high level. So for either team, Philly or Miami, big time addition if they're able to get Kyle Lowry. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser, but I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. From the trade column that you posted a few days ago to now, what else were you most interested in uh, scuttlebutt-wise around the league? The player or story or something you gleaned from talking to people that made you think more than some of the other just this guy could get moved, this guy could get moved stuff? So on Sunday, I reported that the Pelicans have had trade conversations with the Hawks and the Bulls regarding Lonzo Ball Mm. um, and possibly with Cam Reddish from Atlanta um, going towards New Orleans if those deals were to happen between those two teams. But I don't know if Lonzo's actually going to get traded, though, Chris. Everything Hmm. I've heard is that the Pelicans are split on what to do here. And it feels like, and this is true with a lot of deals right now, It seems like a lot of deals, the conversations that are happening now could just be held to the offseason and postponed until then for this stuff to actually happen. Because with a lot of these situations, like with John Collins in Atlanta, he's a restricted free agent. Lonzo Ball in New Orleans, he's a restricted free agent. These guys and these teams could wait until the offseason to figure out what to actually do. There's risk in that for New Orleans or for Atlanta if they end up, those guys sign an offer sheet. But a lot of this stuff could wait. Um, but with Lonzo Ball, there's definitely a lot of interest around the league. It's just a matter of if that price is going to be met from what the Pelicans are demanding. Yeah, and we and well, that's the price that they're talking about in terms of trade return. I wonder what the price is in the offseason. That's what I wonder. You know, when it comes down and, to signing him to an extension. Yeah, I mean, what kind of what kind of contract does Lonzo get? in the off season. Um, it might be huge. It might, it just takes one team and he is a clutch guy. And that is the other thing that I would worry about is, you know, the amount of teams that you can, he, you know, he's in a, he's in a good leverage spot here. And I've been through this before with players where their representatives right now 
like they're all these agents, as you know, they're all in they're all in touch with everything. They know what's going on with not only their clients, they know what's going on with other clients. They know what's going on, right? That's who's got the news is these agents. And you know that he is with Clutch now, which has a real power that they wield throughout the league, um, rightfully so, for their clients in the best interest of their clients. That being said, if I'm... Lonzo, I'm in a great spot because you don't have to do this, but I, I, you, I bet you a dime to a donut that they are calling these other teams that they hear coming up and saying, bro, don't trade for him. He is not re-signing with you. He's not. So don't give up a lot. If you're going to trade for him, don't give up a lot for him. Yeah, he's a restricted free agent, though, so you can match still. Yeah, I understand, but they've got the power, Kev. You know what I'm saying? If they want to say, we're not, we're not doing that. You know what I mean? And and if and if you do, he's gonna be miserable and then he's gonna ask out. You know what yeah, I'm saying? I mean, so we'll, I mean, like we'll, we'll see what happens. Chicago and Atlanta are bad teams to land no, on. No, 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 no. He might want to be there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And I don't understand if you're again, uh, you and I are gonna break ways on this. I think that what will eventually happen is you're gonna have to break up the Ingram Zion thing anyway. That's what I think. Okay, I don't think you're gonna be the Are team already, you already starting be. that talk like Simmons and Bead. <laughs> I, I I mean I said that it, it what a couple of months into the season that people yeah, jumped on me and you argued with me and I mean that team still sucks. Um, I I like Lonzo and like uh, having uh, you know Lonzo I think he's a great fit with Zion too. And all I said at the beginning I love both of those guys. I don't know if they're both going to reach their apex. They might offensively, but that's fine. Like, I mean, people want to say they're averaging this and they're averaging this. Right. Well, why are they losing? Chris, right? I, I, I mean, with Ingram, it's on him. It's a choice. Play defense like you did in L.A. or don't. Right now, he's not. Yeah, Ingram well, is not putting in the effort or the focus or the intensity or the heart or the love for the game on the defensive end of the floor that he needs to to win. Mm-hmm. That's last year, last season when I tweeted, Brandon Ingram is now better than Ben Simmons. Mm. Remember when I tweeted that earlier in the year mm. and said it? I felt it and meant it in the Did moment. Did you go back and delete it? I don't care about that old old takes exposed or whatever. It doesn't matter. It was it was right in the moment, I think, personally. I look back now, and that opinion has changed because Ingram... This is why I didn't vote for Brandon Ingram for most improved player of the year. I will not vote for a player who gets worse on defense. Mm. You can't be the most improved player if you get worse on defense. I don't care how much better he got on offense. There were other guys who were more deserving for the award last year. I think the voters got it wrong. You can't get worse on defense. And this season, he has not gotten notably better on defense than he was last year when he was horrific. He was a save on the ball, lack focus off the ball. Still that same guy. You need to take pride in defense. And he doesn't do that. So I think the Zion Ingram fit can work. If Ingram starts playing defense at the level that he can as a switchable, versatile player who can defend multiple positions, who is long, who's smart, who can fight over screens, who can switch screens, he can do that. He's capable. But but he's not bringing it. No, my thing is, is long-term, are you going to realize you're Robin in this? You're Robin. Yeah, Zion's I th- Batman. I, I think he's so. He's the man. Right, but that's not the way they function. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> like you watch them and you watch down the stretch. There will be times I, where you go, yeah. why? Why I, do I you? Don't, I don't think that's an Ingram thing again. Like I, I look back at what Stan Van Gundy said months ago. He's like, for Zion to be a guy who can bring the ball up and down the court all the time, the conditioning needs to be on an even higher level. I think that's a Stan Van Gundy thing, controlling how much they're feeding the ball to Williamson. That's my impression. Mm. I don't think that's an Ingram thing saying I'm I'm the Batman here. I'm the number one. I'm taking control. I think it's a, a team system, team, you know, construct, a team, uh, how roles are defined thing more than anything else. That, like, well, that's that's very, the way I look at yeah, I think well, Ingr- Ingram and Zion can work. They're already one of the better offenses in the league, and it's already it's not even working at the level that it should. They don't have the best fit around them. They yeah. can work together. Like we're on opposite sides on that, Chris. Well, and I I I, I like Lonzo's twenty three. Yeah, Lonzo's good. I mean, I like Lonzo. So, I mean, again, you got it, the it. It could end up being a mistake letting go of Lonzo, and I and I would say that's probably the fear that the Pelicans have. That's the fear. Is if letting go Alonzo ends up being a mistake because he's still so young. He has gotten better this year. He's shooting more dribble jumpers going to his right. He never used to do that. He's more comfortable shooting off the catch than ever before. Alonzo's a really good player. And by the way, you talk about how crappy their defense has been. He's been their most consistent defender. Yeah. No, he's I like been him. the guy who's their energizer. I like him. Is there, and I like him with Zion. Is there any chance I could find anywhere for Bledsoe? No. 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 No, unfortunately. Sorry, Pelicans fans. Nowhere. Not right now. Mm, that's tough. Sorry, Pelicans fans. Sorry to disappoint you. I, I root for good things for you, but... <laughs> you, you, say, you say no. There's no... Maybe, how, about for, how about for John Wall? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you, want, you want to build a bad fit team? There we go. <laughs> uh, uh, all right, so we covered all the trade stuff, but uh, we do need to, before we get out of here, talk about something that happened on the Ringer Podcast Network yesterday on The Real Ones mm. uh, with Raja Bell and Logan Murdoch. They had special guest Warriors coach Steve Kerr. And Logan was asking him about coaching the different iterations of the Golden State Warriors the last few years. And here's what Steve Kerr had to say. The first uh, four years of our run, the coaching was way more fun just because we were we were joyful and and everything was was really simple and and. Uh, no agendas. And then, you know, that last year, things kind of went haywire. And so even though we went to the finals, uh, it was difficult. I enjoyed last season when we had the worst record in the league more than I enjoyed that last season and when we went to the finals because, you know, we had young guys last year who were, you know, trying every day and working hard. We had a great energy, great spirit, great camaraderie. And losing sucked, but you know that what you want is a good vibe and a good. You you want to look forward to going to the gym every day and seeing mm-hmm. everybody. And that last year was tough. It really was tough. The, la- the last year when we lost to Toronto in the finals, it, there was just a, a lot going on uh, that that you guys some that you know about, some that you don't, and that was very difficult. So it's it's hard. You know, every year is unique, and you 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 try to enjoy each one for what it is. Now, upon that quote, uh, Drew Schiller, who covers the Golden State Warriors. NBC uh, Sports Bay Area. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. put out. Uh, Steve Kerr told Logan Murdoch he enjoyed last season when the Warriors went 15 and 50, more than Kevin Durant's final season with the Warriors. Uh, the last year was tough. There was a lot going on. Some of you know about that. Some of you don't. That was very difficult. Uh, Kevin Durant then responded to said tweet with, this is hilarious. hilarious. And <laughs> then Steve Kerr at a press conference um, last before night. That, before Steve Kerr went to the presser, he was getting ripped. Kerr was getting yeah. ripped on Twitter and all that, you know. Yeah. And Kerr was mad. Yeah, Kerr I mean, was he was pissed. Mad. Yeah. And he called out Drew Schiller and the tweet by name um, and talked about how, you know, and, and part of it, what is him saying? I know the way this is going to be framed. I encourage people to listen to and hear what I said. And I know it's going to be on these first takes and they're going to be debating this. And this is going to be a thing. And I'm angry about this being a thing because we appreciate Kevin and everything he did here and blah, 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 blah. And so, you and I were talking about this last night via text, and I think we do come down on two different sides of we this. Do. So yeah, yeah, we do. And the reason why is because Kerr went to that podium and he said the context of the conversation was about the stress level of the five-year run that they were on, the season and ending injuries that they had. He never said any of that in the quote. Like he twisted what he said. And then he calls out Drew Schiller by name and says it's irresponsible, completely unfair, damaging, made up, and he's not happy and that people should listen to the full podcast for the context, like you said, Chris. So for me yesterday, I didn't, I, I saw Drew Schiller tweet that out. I didn't think much of the comment. First of all, I was like, oh yeah, of course it was more enjoyable last year with all the drama that went on. There's been books written about that, that drama-filled season. Of course it was more enjoyable. Right. And then Kerr, twisted what he said. He did say it was more enjoyable coaching the 15 and 50 team and made it into something that it wasn't while throwing Drew Schiller under the bus. I think Kerr went up, uh, went up to that podium before actually listening back to what he said, because if Kerr listened back to what he said, he would have been like, I got a little too comfortable. I should have mentioned the injuries. I didn't mention the injuries. I should have mentioned this. I shouldn't have said players were in the locker room with no agendas. He said that, Chris. He he said that on there that there's some stuff you know about, some that you don't. Everybody knows he's talking about the Kevin Durant stuff. Like I said, Ethan Strauss wrote a whole book about that season. Everybody knew he was talking about Kevin Durant, and everybody's pissed off at Drew Schiller. There are people in his mentions right now saying you should be fired. You no, should be fired. There's, I searched Drew Schiller at Drew Schiller on Twitter. There are hundreds of people tweeting at him that he should be fired because. Steve Kerr went to that podium and called him out by name for saying, you know, Kevin Durant's last season with the Warriors instead of the season that they went to the finals. Well, because and lost you, right, right, so this is why this I, is why I, you and Drew, I it's, come down on different sides of this. And by the okay? way, Drew Schiller apologized last night, saying he made a mistake. He shouldn't have framed it the way he did. He should have posted the full quote. That's Drew Schiller did apologize last night. And you don't think he should have? I don't think Drew Schiller should have apologized. I okay. think Steve Kerr should apologize to Drew Schiller for throwing him under the bus in the way that he did. The reason he, I thought... Steve Kerr was punching down at somebody, and now a mob of people on Twitter are calling for Drew Schiller to be fired. It's, it's ridiculous. I think it was very disingenuous what Steve Kerr did. And I don't think Steve Kerr went to the podium having listened back to his own words, because if he did, he wouldn't have said what he did. 
But what he didn't do was mention Kevin Durant and say oh, this he, mentioned, is he, of, he doesn't need to mention Kevin Durant. Everybody what knows what he's talking about. The last year, no agenda. All all the drama we were dealing with behind the scenes, some that you know about, some that you don't. You don't need to say KD by name for everybody to know you're talking about the fact like that drama was partially fueled by Kevin Durant. Maybe it was partially maybe, maybe, maybe it was partially fueled, Kevin. But I mean it's it, it to me, it is equivalent to if uh I don't know if a team I'm covering, right? Let's say, let's say John Morant and the team has won like uh, five games in a row. And then uh, Justice Winslow, uh, you know, is finally not hurt anymore. And now he plays and they get killed in the game. And John does his post game quotes and whatever. And he says, this is the, you know, this is the worst game of the season. It's the most miserable I've been all year. And then I go and I say, uh, John Morant says that Justice Winslow's first game back is the most miserable he's been all year. You'd be like, well, he didn't even mention Justice. Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, that's not fair. And, and by the way, Chris, if there's anything that Drew Schiller should apologize for, it's simply si- framing it as Kevin Durant's last season. It, that, but, it makes uh, it but, sound but like I, it's all I, his I fault. I, I, when I read that, I didn't think of that. I oh, didn't think of that one. No, I didn't. I, I saw the quote tweeted out by Drew Schiller first. Here, let me give you full background here. And this is like media gossip here. Like I've, a lot of people probably got to tune out, but I find it fascinating here because when I saw that tweet, I was like, oh, okay. That's what he said. I look forward to listening to the pod. Then Kevin Durant responded saying, this is hilarious. That fueled it. Mm-hmm. And again, then Kerr went to the podium and said what he said. When I heard Kerr say what he said, I was like, damn, like, you know, I don't really know Drew that much. Like, I've been on their pod once. Nice guy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we get along. He's cool. Um, but I don't really know him that much. So I was like, I got to go back and listen to the full context of the quote, just like Steve Kerr's telling me to. I went back and listened to it, the full quote that we just heard. And I'm like, Kerr never said anything about injuries and all the stress from that. He went on this whole long, you know, rant at the podium about, oh, Boogie got hurt. Katie and Clay both had season-ending injuries. It was heartbreaking. It was so tough. You know, he said that at the podium. At the podium, he never said anything about no agendas, about Mm -hmm. how guys wanted to come to work and they were happy during the 15 and 50 season. That's what you want to go to. You want to go to all happy locker room. What he said at the podium is totally different than what he said on the podcast. He set up Drew Schiller for people to say to him, you should be fired. He set up Drew Schiller for people to get pissed off at him. What I'm saying is Kevin, when you frame it it as Kevin Durant, I get it. it. Drew Schiller apologized. It was a little mistake. He should have said during the year that the, the Golden State Warriors lost to Toronto in the final. That's what he should have said to frame it properly. And yes, the safe thing to do as a reporter is to transcribe the entire quote and have it as like an image or whatever with the tweet of the little snapshot quote of him saying it was more enjoyable to coach the 15 and 50 team than it was to coach a team that went to the finals. That's what Drew Schiller should have done. And he apologized for it. But all I'm saying is that Steve Kerr went to the podium Clearly not having not listened to what he said, the approach Steve Kerr could have taken without throwing Drew Schiller under the bus is simply this. Maybe I should be a PR guy. I listened back to the pod and I should have mentioned the injury aspect and all the stress from that. You know, I got a little too comfortable on the podcast. Like it's only natural. That year was so stressful. Everybody knows about it. 
Everybody knows how stressful that year was. Last year was kind of a breath of fresh year, coaching young guys who really wanted to be there. And you know what? Like, I wish Drew Schiller hadn't, you know, framed it the way he did. But ultimately, you know what? Take some accountability. That's it. Take some accountability. That Like, you got comfortable on a podcast. But the only reason it's a thing, Kevin... Is because of the tweet. Yeah, I know that. But like the Nobody's tweet, the tweet wasn't like it. some attack. It's the tweet wasn't some attack at Steve Kerr for. But, and by the way, the comment wasn't even that big of a deal. But I'm saying I nobody th- is that even talking about it. Is what except the, the, that it was framed as okay. if yeah. he was miserable because of Kevin Durant. I think it's a newsworthy quote. It, it, it's but a, nobody it's cares a, it's, about it's that a, quote unless you frame it by blaming Kevin. Which but, is, and then Kevin I responded. I don't, I don't think it was framed that way. When I read the quote, maybe I'm stupid, but when I read that quote, I was thinking, oh, this is the way of him saying that the final season, the year they went to the finals. When I read Kevin Durant's final season with the Warriors, Come on. I think, oh, the year that they went to the finals and had all these injuries and went and went to the finals and lost to Toronto. I don't think just Kevin Durant. Come like, on. You only have. What do you mean, come on? I'm telling, like, what do you mean, come on? It's, it's framed as Kevin Durant's final season with the team. Yeah, that's like, what it that's was. How the, that's, that's how what it was. The, it, that's what it was. And on the podcast, Kerr himself was constantly beating around the bush saying, we, we had people with no agendas, people who are happy to come to work with. Like, come on, man. Like, everything Kerr was saying on that podcast was shade at KD, shade at KD, shade at KD. Everything on that quote, that particular quote, was no agendas. What? Who else is he talking about, Chris? Who else is he talking about? I'd love to know. Who I have no is- idea what that okay. place was yeah. like. There's a whole book written about it. Everybody knows what he's talking about. What, and, what, and, all, what, and all I'm saying is, and, and the main thing is, is what agenda things. am I? Ta- what, what am I? What is the agenda? I'd love to ask Steve Kerr that question. I'd love to ask a follow up. What? Well, what I mean, you just said there was a whole book about it. What, what did the book say? Ethan Strauss wrote a book about that final, the final years. Did it say what the agenda was There's a that lot I'm of missing report. here? There's a lot of reporting in that book. I, I, I'm just, I'm confused. Is that, look, everybody knew that that season, Draymond and Kevin didn't like each other. They're yelling at each yeah. other at the beginning of the year. There's yep. all kinds of, but that doesn't make it all Kevin's fault. You know what I'm saying? Like, for whatever reason, it was See, a bad mix with the team. Th- th- maybe that's what I'm misunderstanding. I don't understand how that tweet could be, could be turned into something all Drew Schiller tweeted was Kevin Durant's final season with the Warriors. I don't. I, I took that as a way to simply state the year and the place and the time. When I hear Kevin Durant's final season with the Warriors, my mind immediately goes to, oh, okay, boom. The year they lost to Toronto, the year Clay got hurt, the year KD got hurt, the year DeMarcus Cousins got hurt. That's where my mind goes when I read Kevin Durant's last season. I don't know about everybody else. But for me, that's all I read that as. And Drew Schiller said in his apology that him and Steve Kerr talked on the phone. Like, Drew Schiller has defended Steve Kerr a lot more than mm. anybody on Warriors Twitter. There are a lot of Warriors media who <laughs> rip Steve Kerr mm. a lot. Drew Schiller is not one of those people. So when I read that, I don't think that. And so now when I see people in Drew Schiller's mention saying you should be fired and all that, uh, it's, it's like, that's Why? disgusting. That's and ridiculous. why did that happen, Chris? No, well, I mean, why did that happen? Why did that happen? Because he had a goofy tweet. Why are people tweet? in his mentions? Because he had a goofy tweet. That's not why. Nobody was doing it. Dude, if he doesn't write the goofy tweet, okay. Steve yeah, Kerr doesn't even talk about it's it. It's ridiculous. Steve Kerr went to the podium in anger and spoke out of anger without listening back to his own comments. And he threw somebody under the bus for simply tweeting it out in maybe a slightly, uh, in a way that could have been worded slightly better. 
That he's it, even it, said it, it, it I, you know, I didn't it turn into something that was overblown for what was really an innocent quote. Like in that quote, like I thought it was interesting when it, I read the but, Drew Schiller tweet. When I read the Drew Schiller tweet yesterday, I was like, "Oh, that's interesting." Like, yeah, well, no surprise, no surprise. You liked coaching last season more than the stress of the end of a five-year run when there was tons of drama. It. You know I, that's not a thing unless Kevin Durant's name's in that tweet. You know that. If it just says, I mean, uh, who knows? Steve Kerr. Who knows? Steve Kerr said that he enjoyed the coaching last year and the last year of the title run. It doesn't get retweets. Who knows? Kevin Durant doesn't respond to it. Steve Kerr doesn't have a press conference. None of that happens. And that's why I Drew know, was like, you know what? Kevin, I wish I w- Kevin Durant could have responded anyway. I th- if I, I could think have it, it back, he I could have responded I, anyway. I, huh? Kevin Durant could have responded anyway. And that's what added fuel to it after the initial tweet. Like, no, I, he wouldn't, I, have, found I, like ser- said, he wouldn't Chris, have found it by searching his name. Like I said, Chris, <laughs> I wish Steve Kerr had listened back before he went to that podium. I'll, that's all I'll say. Because this is all. It's, it's really, it's all like. No, it's going to be water under the bridge. Drama. It's going to go away. I know it's going to go away. And, and go that's away. why, like, I would say to Drew, like, like, chill, like, don't stress. You know, it's would all go away. And for oh, Steve, yeah. Kerr, Steve Kerr, same thing. Like, it's all going to go away. Like, who cares? Like, it relax. Happens. And the, the comment itself was just interesting. Mm. Just interesting. That's all. Not damaging, like Kerr said it was, not anything like that. It was just an interesting comment, an honest comment, which I appreciate the honesty more than anything else, which is why I'm being honest with you, Chris. Well, you don't want, you don't want Kevin, look, Kevin writing, this is hilarious and obviously not being thrilled with what was tweeted like that. That's why Steve said this is damaging because you don't want the second best player in the league going around, you know, talking about, you know, thinking that that's how Steve well, Kerr does when yeah. you leave there, you know, or whatever else. With I mean, and as far as as far as I know, publicly he has never said anything damaging about Kevin Durant or what he was to that team. We're we're arguing about this, but I I I would say two different things here. Um if there's anybody who listens to this show that is Andrew Schiller's comments, you know, saying you should be fired, I would recommend listening to the podcast first, like you just did. Yeah. Um, and also, like, don't do that. No. Just for, just for an Good innocent grief. little mistake. Like, the world could use a lot more understanding and forgiveness, a lot that more is, listening, a lot less silence. You and the me, world could we use are, a lot more of we're that. We're on the same page with yeah, that. With that, yes. This is a nothing. Yes, it's, it's a really nothing. a nothing. A it's lively, really a li- guy's livelihood. I mean, this is yeah, literally... I know. <laughs> nothing and that is something between the and, and whoever side you fall on drew and steve will work that out and it's of over course, and everybody will move on and forget and if anything this could bring them closer who knows right you it know in terms of the media, media coach relationship when you sometimes have like anything else disagreements you can come to a deeper understanding and also i would add this though for any young people who want to be writers or, or journalists or on camera personalities or whatever this is a good example of how even if you feel like the tweet or the the quote in your article has good context, it can turn into this. And that's why it's better to be safe than sorry and have the entire quote, sometimes even with the question being asked, as a photo in there, just to be safe, that there's full context. And that's what Drew Schiller apologized for, that he should have included the full quote, which I fall on the side of. I thought it was fine what was tweeted, but you should have included the full quote. 
And that's something I would say for any young journalist to be careful doing that. And then you should do that. Give con- context is always good. I always try to give context, even when we're recording this podcast. Sometimes I think I overdo it with context. Everybody gets mad for 10 minutes. Yes. They'll move and on to the next. The, 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 be so mad about something else is, tomorrow. <laughs> tomorrow? Today. Yeah. Today. It's already tomorrow. Yeah. Trust, it's already. Tr- trust me. <laughs> There will be a new thing. Don't get mad sa- about us talking no, about it. The same, the same people. I know you have great concern about the people that are in the guy's mentions that are talking about him being fired, and I know that can be tough on a guy. Um, look, those same people, the, the goofy asses that are in those mentions, they're going to be in somebody else's mentions yeah, by exactly. two o'clock today, saying they should be fired. They're just yeah. miserable people that want other people to, you know, yeah. suffer. You know, like they really, do you really care enough about that? Like, seriously, Mm -hmm. like, I don't understand, like get a life, like you really cannot care that much that you sit there and you go, you know what? I hope this guy gets no paycheck from now on. He shouldn't get to cover sports because you, you live and you learn no matter what, no matter which side you come on, you live and learn. And when I see stuff like that, like I like we talked about months back, I don't get much negativity in my mentions. You know, sometimes uh, sometimes there's stuff when I see like real personal negativity like that, yeah. and not just like oh you had a bad take. Like that's sports talk. You have a yeah, bad right. take. That's sports talk. I love that. I want more of it. But when it's personal stuff and I read stuff like that, it says more about the person saying it than Absolutely. anybody else. And that's true in high school with your high school bully. Your junior high bully, the guys picking on everybody. It's true about them. It's true about the people online that are Twitter trolls. It says more about the way they feel about themselves than anything about you. And so when I read stuff like that, it's like, I uh, hope you, I hope you feel better about yourself because you're taking out your own anger about your own life on me. You well, know? and and ninety nine percent of those people, if they walked up on uh, Drew Schiller in San Francisco this weekend, they'd be like, "Hey, Drew, I really enjoy your work." And then, yeah, you mean, know, it's... and then even if I called you out by your username, you'd be like, "Oh, I was just messing around," you know. You know what I'm saying? Like it's it, it they they got internet courage. <laughs> I met um a couple years back at a concert. I I don't want to say his full name, but like this guy Brian. Um, he he. He said, hey, I'm always in your mentions, always criticizing you for like your Lakers takes. This oh, is when I great. first got hired at the ringer. And he's like, you're a Celtics fan, a closet Celtics fan. I'm, and he's always in my uh, mentions. It's true. Is. And I remembered him right away. <laughs> and, and it was like, I love that, though. Like, that's fun. That's sports yeah. talk. That's yes. what friends do. It's Absolutely. the personal stuff where it's like, if you're go- if you feel like you're going to go out of your way and tell somebody that they should be fired, I would recommend... Looking in, looking inward, and reevaluating things. Well, I would just say, why do you care that much? Yeah, Seriously, yeah, also, none of this. Oh, yeah, I'm none of this here. affected yeah. you in any way. Yeah. None of it affected you in any way. Like literally, your life is completely yeah. unaffected by what has taken place between Drew Schiller, Kevin Durant, and Steve Kerr. I just don't understand like the online like Twitter obsession no. with getting people fired. Uh, it's it's really something else. Yeah. Somebody, look, somebody's going to uh, they'll turn their attention to something today. Yeah. Um, look, yeah. Uh, right, one last thing before we get out of here. Last night, you know I've gotten, um, I'm always on these eBay auctions with the cards, right? There was one last night that I wrote down that I was like, you know what? I need to ask Kevin about this because we've never brought it up. (laughs) I'm scrolling through. There is a Rocky Marciano card that came out 100 years ago. And it says the Brockton 
blockbuster. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I had never thought about that. So and yeah. I and I was like, that's where yeah. Kevin lives. Yep. Brockton. Is there a huge sign? Is there like a home of Rocky there's, Marciano? There's sign? a big statue. <laughs> Is there really? Yeah. There's a Where? statue. Like in the town square or something? No, nah, it's like nearby. It's like, it used to be or still is in some park nearby, like the, the really? near City Hall. Yeah, it's pretty close to City Hall in Brockton. So You got to take yeah. a picture and send it to yeah, me at yeah, some I'll, point. I'll, I'll do when that, you, yeah. When you get out and about. Yeah. The yeah, Rocky, Rocky Mar- yeah, Rocky so Marciano when you pull from in Brockton, there? and then Marvin Hagler moved to Brockton when he was a young kid and trained ah. there. That's where he got his start in boxing. Marvin Hagler and Rocky Marciano. That's why Brockton has always been called the city of champions. So when mm-hmm. you pull in, is there one of those signs? Uh, you know, home of or birthplace of um, Rocky I, Marciano. I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I I don't I don't believe uh, so. I, I, th- I, th- like, I think there is near the statue, but I'm, I don't believe there is. Like when you enter. Uh, the city of Brockton. No. The card said Brockton Blockbuster on that, it. Yeah, I haven't heard that nickname Blo- Brockton Blockbuster in a long time. And that may be yeah. a, you know what? I, I don't know because <laughs> I've just been in the South so long. That may be a Southern thing. The, the whole home of or birthplace of. Like if you drive to like Tupelo, oh, Mississippi, yeah. it'll say birthplace of Elvis Presley. <laughs> or if you drive, the best one I ever saw, the best one was there is a, and forgive me, Dinky, 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 little town. Dinky is an underutilized word. No, just have to in, say that in Alabama. I mean, a, <laughs> like it is like not even a stoplight town, right? And I'm driving through on the way to Florida. You drive through all these like little bitty towns, right? And I drive through, and this is when I think my daughter is like maybe one, and my son mm-hmm. is three, and I hit the brakes in the car. We're on our way to Florida, and my wife's like, "What are you doing?" And I pulled off to the side. I was like, hold on. And I was like, I've got to take a picture of this sign. We're pulling through a town. And it, I said, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. It, it said, whatever town, Alabama. And it said, home of Chuck Person. Okay. Chuck Person. With Chuck Person, the rifleman, uh, NBA jam legend, right? Indiana Pace or whatever. And do you know what it said underneath it? home of Chuck Person or birthplace of Chuck Person, Los Angeles Lakers assistant, champion, whatever. Really? And I'm like, bro, if I'm Chuck Person, like that cannot be the sign. I had a real awesome career. And it said assistant coach on the whatever champion Lakers. And by the way, his brother's Wesley Person, who played for over a decade. That's funny. Ridiculous. Is it Brantley, Alabama? I just maybe that's it. Maybe it's Brantley, Alabama. Brantley, Alabama. Tiny, (laughs) tiny population of eight (laughs) oh nine. Back in the twenty ten census, eight oh nine. Yes. Home or a birthplace of Chuck Person. Wow. 2000 and whatever Lakers assistant. And I'm like, That's this is funny. BS. It doesn't even say That's anything so- about him being a basketball player. <laughs> assistant so coach funny. for the Lakers. Uh, yeah, that's what the side said. I hope they've changed it by now. Anyway. Uh, and also, uh, rest in peace to Elgin Baylor, one of the all-time greats. All-time. Yeah, all-time. All-time, all-time. This morning, I read, uh, reread Bill Simmons on uh, Elgin Baylor back on his page two days. Oh, wow. Ab- about, you know, his career and how he's remembered and his greatness, really. You know, he was the first guy, the yep. original. Go-to score. I mean, he paved the way for so many of the great players we've seen over the years. Dr. J, Michael Jordan, and so on and so forth. All the guys we see today. Elgin Baylor was the first. And and think about this. Think about all these years later. 
there's still just a few guys that have ever scored 70 points in a game. <laughs> he was one. He's one of them. And yep. there was no three-point line. <laughs> Scoring yeah. 70 without a three-point line is unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and, and you know it's, I mean? it's, he had an amazing career as a, as amazing. a player. Remarkable. So rest in peace to Elder Baylor, one of the all-time greats, one of the players who made the game what it is today, the league what it is today. We are going to have a fun one on Friday because we'll get to talk about everything that happened with the trade deadline, which is going to happen on Thursday. So I will talk to you uh, then, Kev. Thanks to producer Sasha, as always. And we'll talk to everybody on Friday. Have a good week, everybody. Hope we get lots of good trades. And by the way, on Wednesday, we're recording another episode of Ringer NBA University with me, Jay Kyle Mann, and Jonathan Charks. Go head over and check that out on the Ringer NBA show feed. That's on Wednesdays. Have a good one, everybody. 